Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council. This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world. That's my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history. That's pretty cool, I guess. Give it to me straight. John, you're in charge. How you doing? Have you had a good week? I had a really good week. Excellent week. Good week. Played bocce ball with the grandkids a lot this week. Oh, it's fun. It's just so fun. Welcome to Late Night Council. Welcome to Ask the Pastor. 343-700-4390 is the Capital Region line. That's 343-4390. You can join us from anywhere in North America, from Ripples, New Brunswick, from Mammoth, West Virginia, from Sheboygan, Wisconsin, or Orderville, Utah, at 1-844-562-4766. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's the long distance number. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. Now, um, I want to give you a bit of a heads up. Uh, the way our automatic call screener works. Now, you've I've explained that to you in the past, but uh, for some reason, and you know, uh, my credit cards are good and everything. Uh, the service we use is called Call-In Studio. And when you get low on your funds as far as paying for the calls, it automatically lets you, you know, add funds and we continue on. It's not letting me add funds tonight, okay? So it's possible, if I'm estimating right, around the third, if we get three, four, five calls, the third, fourth, or fifth call may not get in. It may just decide, you know what? You can't take calls anymore. And and I've been trying to, I've been online for about the last half hour trying to rectify this issue. Now, we're going to have a full two-hour show because, I mean, if we don't have calls, it doesn't matter. I can still go. It's, you know, and, and we've proven that over and over and over, haven't we? Okay. Uh, but just a bit of a heads up. If, if you want to get a phone call in, you'd be wiser to uh, do it earlier in the show than later in the show, okay? Just give you a heads up, okay? Uh, 343-700-4390, the Capital Region, 343-700-4390, that's 1-844-562-4766. You can email me, and you don't have to worry about, you know, whether, you know, the funds are paid up for the call or anything, uh, but you do have to worry about getting it, you know, concise and to the point. It's got to be under six lines, and it's got to be airworthy. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's your venue to get your emails and your opinions known on this broadcast. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. You can tweet at me, at JW Council. Just go on Twitter and see all the fun stuff that everybody's arguing about and yelling at each other. And uh, uh, there you go, okay? And, uh, of course, you don't have to worry about the length because Twitter takes care of that automatically. If it's too long, it doesn't even pay attention to you, Okay. A little bit nastier than I am, but, you know, that's the way it, it, it works. It, Twitter's pretty nasty, though. It really is. Not only, like, the nasty stuff that happens on Twitter, but the people that are running Twitter. Oh, my goodness. You talk about Orwellian newspeak and censorship. It's it's quite uh, quite alarming. I got a story about that tonight that uh, it's going to, well, it's uh, it's going to freak you out. 
this uh, uh, um, how, how would I describe this world we live in? I was going to say brave new world. There's nothing brave about it. In fact, I would say it's very cowardly. This world. This yeah, maybe that's what we should call it. This cowardly new world we uh, you know live in. We'll get to that. So if you've been, and, and I know that the ad campaign has gone all over Canada because, uh, you know, we're here in the capital region here. We're celebrating uh, the 150th anniversary of Canada. And uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau has issued a, a limited edition pair of socks, you know, for uh, the, the 150th anniversary. And uh, the big thing this weekend in the Ottawa region was La Machine. Now, there's no doubt that if you are, are been watching the news across Canada, of course, you Americans, you've got way more serious things to worry about than uh, giant-sized remote control toys, you know, going down the streets of our capital. Uh, but you Canadians that are listening, you might have seen these big dragons and big spiders, okay? Um, and, and they've attracted hundreds of thousands of, of uh, you know, spectators have come to downtown Ottawa to watch these clumsy-looking uh, cranes and bulldozers that, you know, they've made to look like dragons and spiders, okay? And everybody's going, oh, wow, oh, wow. And, you know, it did catch my – you could kind of tell by the tone of my voice. It didn't catch my interest at all, okay? Now, you're thinking, John, this is Ask the Pastor. What are you doing talking about remote-controlled dragons for? Well, there's, I think there's a spiritual lesson to be learned here, Okay. And, uh, you know, if ever there was an example of worshiping, oh, we weren't worshiping them, we were just having a good time. Listen, worship is not what you think it is. Worship is whatever you give your devotion to. Worship is whatever grabs your heart, gets your attention, you know, and there's different levels of worship. You know, you could be totally devoted to something. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good definition of worship. And, I mean, I saw pictures of these things, and you can see the people that are riding in them. They actually are at the controls, you know, and, and you can see the people uh, moving the legs and everything. It's like, like I said, don't give me this nonsense about mechanized dragons. It's a crane. It's a bulldozer that's been modified to kind of look like a dragon, okay? And people are going, oh, wow, you know, that's so cool. Yet there is there's no wonder whatsoever over the creator of real spiders, and real dragons. What do you mean real dragons? Well, that's what they called dinosaurs before 1850, okay? Dinosaurs be 18, before 1850, the common term was dragon, okay? It was the catch-all phrase for all large reptilian creatures, okay? And uh, there's there's stories of huge dragons and dinosaurs in every culture around the world and, and evidence that, you know, they're way younger than, you know, you've been led to believe in your, uh, you know, indoctrination that passes for education in our school system, Okay? The fact that they found intact hemoglobin in the femurs of Tyrannosaurus rexes and living, I mean, tissue, not tissue, but living tissue, but tissue that's, that's impossible to survive over three or 4,000 years, okay, in Triceratopses, okay? They don't let kids know that in school because that would blow all their indoctrination and blow all their theories that they try to promote as being true, Okay. And I was watching all the footage it's here and there. Of course, Twitter, you know, everybody's posting pictures. Oh, down, down, saw this coming down. That's, you know, wonderful. And everybody's gasping because it's some kind of wonderful thing. And I'm thinking, you know, God created beautiful little spiders, okay, that are quicker, more agile. They have no visible power source. There's nobody running them by remote, and the programming for these little creatures is like no other. It's instinctual. They're programmed to adapt. They're programmed to defend themselves. They're programmed to survive. They're even programmed to reproduce. 
I mean, the wonder of one of these little biological marbles. Nobody ever sits and stares at, well, kids do. Kids, you see kids. And uh, you see, that is one of the reasons why I believe Jesus said, unless you change and become like a little child, you can never see the kingdom of God. Because a kid will stare at an anthill or a kid will stare at, you know, insects up close for hours on end, just marveling at the wonder that is creation. And people are marveling over these, I, I mean, La Machines, that's what they're called, La Machines. Oh, that's kind of really cool name. The La Machines, they're primitive, pathetically engineered versions of the wonder that is the real deal. And nobody spends any time whatsoever marveling at, at you know, the real deal. So does, 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 does man wonder at the marvel and miracle of life? No! It wonders, it marvels, it celebrates pathetic imitations. Oh, John, a lot of work went into those things, you know. You know, I, I, look, I appreciate a good customized car, okay? You know, but but for hundreds of thousands of people to, to you know to swarm to see like uh, uh, something that is a cheap imitation when when the real deal nobody even notices the real deal. Nobody even asks questions. How in the world did this thing ever come together? I posted a tweet. If you follow me on Twitter, I posted a tweet this week, and uh, it's a picture of an iPhone, okay? And some, you know, I should probably get the actual wording of this thing, because I didn't memorize the tweet. And uh, 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 it's, a, it's a very poignant and very, very powerful uh, uh, message, I think. I, I really do. And it was a retweet. Obviously, I didn't find it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't original with me. But there's a picture of an iPhone lying on a table. And the caption kind of reads, okay, here it is. It's a, it's a, a, a bogus news headline. Uh, one, of the, uh, 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 one of the Twitter feeds that I follow is, is a, a Twitter feed called Babylon B. And it's a, it's a, a Christian satirical news site, okay? It's, it's, sometimes it's really funny. When it's really good, I will retweet their stuff. And they have a headline. And there's a picture of an iPhone. And it says... The Apple iPhone evolved naturally over billions of years, experts now say. The consensus is in. Scientists from around the globe have confirmed that the Apple iPhone, okay, the Apple iPhone was not designed but rather evolved naturally over billions of years. The origins of the complex device has been the subject of scientific debate for many years, but Thursday's announcement puts to bed any doubt that the early ancestors of the iPhone spontaneously generated in a swamp some 4.6 billion years ago. The current theory is that a small single-celled pager device was formed from electronic parts floating in the ocean, Dr. Rashad Shami of Harvard University told reporters. The pager then figured out how to reproduce, and natural selection took care of the rest. Now, people read that and think it's ludicrous. But the human body, the simplest one-celled organism, is infinitely more times as complicated in its DNA code and structure than the, than the, you know, the most expensive iPhone you can buy. And yet we got a whole culture, academic, science, entertainment, media, government, everything, all based on, yeah, this all just came together. How stupid is that? Okay? One of the subtitles of this show, you know, it's, it's called Late Night Council. It's called Ask the Pastor. It's also called Romans 1, 18 to 32, which I quote just about every show. I'll give it to you again. This is 19 to 23, I think. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, 
His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Now look at this. This is La Machine. This is what happened in Ottawa this weekend. Listen to verse 23. They're thinking they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, and reptiles. That perfectly describes what's been going on here in Ottawa. Is it evil? Is it wrong? Ah, it's not evil. It's not wrong. It's just indicative of, of, of the, the priorities, the values, and how we have turned off our brain to the obvious and embraced imitations. We glory, we celebrate, we worship, you know, images instead of the creator that created something that's so much more complicated, so much more wondrous. And that wonder, that spellbinding curiosity and inquisitiveness, our kids come into school with that and we turn it off and we indoctrinate them into stuff that just leaves them confused. Oh, confused. Oh, my goodness. Where do you hear how confusing things are? Got a lot of stories to talk about tonight, and you may have your story to talk about. And while I still got, you know, some some cash on the on, on the call serving system because they're not letting me top it up tonight, uh, you may want to get a call in. But I would advise you to do it earlier in the show while the service is still going. Now, nothing is going to shut down this show, okay? Like with my broadcasting, but the calls coming in, the service we use, uh, it, it may be in jeopardy tonight. And uh, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of uh, uh, play it by ear and, and see how it happens. Now, another thing that, that I just found really goofy. Now, this is a kind of a nice story on the outside, but it made me think, well, this is just nuts. Ted Danson, remember him? Cheers. He's quoted in the Ottawa Sun today. I'm sure this went all across the papers. And it's a delightful quote. It's a really nice quote, okay? This will warm your heart. This is what he says. I'm madly in love with Mary. That's his wife. She's a remarkable human being. And being with her feels like heaven on earth. If I were to die, I could say I know what it's like to be loved and to loved. Okay? Still smitten with actress Mary Steenberg and his wife of 22 years. So he's talking about his wife of 22 years. You know, about how much he loves her and she's her, he's her hero and all that. And isn't that nice? Okay? I read that. I kind of roll my eyes. And, I, and I'm still smitten. I'm still in love. I'm still gaga turned on by my wife of almost 36 years. Okay? And that's a nice thing to say, but I couldn't help but roll my eyes thinking, okay, now really, have, have marriages, have marriages become so, un, so pathetically unsuccessful that when a guy has a normal, healthy marriage that God intended anybody who was married to have, it makes national news. I mean, as, as our morality, has our commitment, has our fidelity gotten so pathetically weak that when a guy talks about how in love is what he is with his wife after 22 years it makes national news headlines oh my oh my i think i've got a reason to be shocked if you don't think so call in and tell me why or why not 343-700-4390 that's 343-700-4390 one eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. At midnight tonight, I'm going on vacation. 
on Thursday, I'm flying to Los Angeles to see my son and daughter-in-law and to have a good time down there. Maybe go to a Dodger game. Check out some amazing churches and, 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 and street mission works that are doing amazing work with uh, the poor in L.A. Because that's kind of what we're doing here in, 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 in Ottawa right now through Christchurch. And if you want to know about Christchurch, ChristchurchOttawa.com. That's, my, uh, that's where I'm hanging my hat right now. That's where I'm putting all my heart and soul, and it's, it's just absolutely amazing what's going on there. Okay? So for the next three Sunday nights, it's going to be best ofs playing in this time slot. Okay? We're going to go through all the shows we've been doing since February and the three best shows. And it may be more than just three. We may take bits and pieces of shows and put them together. Because, and, 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 I mean, if I'm playing repeats, they better be good repeats, right? They better be really, really good stuff. And, and I promise you it's going to be good stuff. Playing in this time slot, if you come to LateNightCouncil.com next week and for the next three weeks, you're going to, uh, you're going to, be, hear that, uh, you're going to be hearing uh, uh, those repeats playing. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I, I want to play. Uh, you know, uh, um, um, we gotta, um, um, we gotta. Um, whoa, kind of loud there. Um, gotta play a message from uh, our sponsor, EMM Group. Okay, and uh, and then, then, because like, I'm happy when somebody talks about good things about marriage and media. So I'm gonna put in a tune there that you all know and you're all familiar with. And feel free to sing along, and then we're back with uh, more stuff and your calls and, uh, you know, making the world a better place through, uh, you know, uh, uh, the power of online broadcasting. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. And carriage this, I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. Love and marriage, love and marriage, it's an institute you can't disparage. Ask the local gentry, and they will say it's elementary. Try, try. Try to separate them It's an illusion Try, try, try And you will only come To this conclusion Love and marriage Love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage Dad was told by mother 
separate them it's an illusion try 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 and you will only come to this conclusion love and marriage love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage dad was told by mother you can't have one You can't have one without the other No, this is not an audio version of uh, Married with Children. It's Late Night Council. It's Ask the Pastor. Welcome to the program. Your calls are welcome. It's open line, open topic like it always is. I'm always going to put the biblical faith spin on it as best as I can. 343-743-90 in the capital region, Ottawa, Gatineau region. That's Canada's capital, folks. Not Manila in the Philippines. No, 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 no. Not Kampala in Uganda. No, 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 no. Not Santiago, Chile. No, it's Canada's capital. 343-700-4390. That's the capital region. Long distance. Anywhere in North America. 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. You can tweet at me at JWCouncil. You can email me. At JC at late night com. I still can't get over that people in Vanier, you know, are, are mad at the Salvation Army. Now, we talked about this a lot last week, and this thing is not going away, okay? At least here in Canada, uh, here in uh, the, uh, Canada's capital, in Ottawa. And uh, those of you listening in Canada, and, and, and you know, the, the principles here remain. Our, our culture seems to be getting more loony all the time. Why would you would want to give a hard time to uh, an organization that does more to help poor people and addicts than j- just about any other organization in Canada? It, it, just, it just boggles my mind. David Reevely uh, did a column in uh, the Saturday Sun. I'm going to give you a little bit of it here. The Salvation Army has to ask the city's permission, okay? The Salvation Army has to ask the city's permission for new zoning and an amendment to the city's official land use plan, plan and be cast in the role of the neighborhood wrecking villain to do things that the silly re- city really, really wants and needs it to do. Now, I stuttered a little bit. I got to get that through. You got to get. You got to grasp this concept here. Okay, the Salvation Army has to ask the city's permission for new zoning and an amendment to the city's official land use plan, and be cast in the role of the neighborhood wrecking villain to do things that the city really, really, really wants and needs it to do. The city is desperate for what the Salvation Army does and what it's going to do. And yet they're being painted as these bad people. The Salvation Army. I don't know if anybody's ever done. The people that are criticized the Salvation Army, have you ever worked with these people? Do you know what these people are like? 
Some of the most godliest Christ-like people I've ever met in my life are part of the Salvation Army. I just find it personally mind-blowing. The Salvation Army, again, I'm quoting David Reevely. The Salvation Army provides essential public services and gets public money to do it, practically. It's somewhere between a charity and an arm's-length government agency. Nationwide, according to routine filings, the Salvation Army gets more than $200 million a year from Canadian governments at all levels. With the Shepherds of Good Hope and the Ottawa Mission, all three of them founded in religious notions of service, the Salvation Army delivers most of our public response to street-level homelessness and debilitating mental illnesses and addiction. If they didn't do it, City Hall and the provincial government would have to do it. And I'm telling you right now, if they didn't do it, Government agencies would do it, and they would do it for about four times the cost. Because the Salvation Army and the Mission and the Shepherds of Good Hope and Capital City Mission, which I'm affiliated with, Ottawa Inner City Ministries, there's a number of them, they do it better because they're not motivated by bucks. They have it within their heart that this is the right Christian, Christ-like thing to do. And thank God there's still a a, a measure, not a lot, but just a, maybe a fraction of understanding of how valuable it is to have you know real biblical Christians helping the poor. There's still some people in government that recognizes that as a good thing, so they get tax breaks and they fund it. And these organizations for decades have proven they do a better job at helping the homeless, the addicted, the debilitated, the outcasts of our society, they do a better job at taking care of those people than government agencies do. That's why I'm blown away that people are saying, rah, 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 rah. you're just coming in here and you're just doing your blah, 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 blah. I, it, it, it's mind-blowing. But do, you know, do they get any slack? Are they getting any slack cut to them? Are they even recognized? No, stay out of our neighborhood. We don't want you here. We don't want the element that you bring in this neighborhood. Hmm. And we had people calling in last week that were actually criticizing the Salvation Army. And, you know, I appreciate them calling in and giving the other side because that makes for good talk radio, but you haven't got me convinced. And I think it's very appropriate to bring up the words of Christ here. Because remember, this is Ask the Pastor. I'm going to give a biblical perspective on it. I think, and I could be wrong here, okay? And if you want to prove me otherwise, you call in and tell me about it, okay? I think Jesus would be justified saying to Vanier, well, not doll Vanier, but the people that are fighting the Salvation Army coming in there, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was a stranger. You didn't take me in. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. Sorry, Jesus, not in our neighborhood. We can't be bothered. We don't like the way you do business, Jesus. Hmm. I don't know. It's pretty black and white to me. Pretty cut and dried. I don't think I've ever remembered such a blatant attack and and a disregard for the good that a terrific organization has done for over a century and a half. And the way I hear them and see them being maligned, oh, my goodness. Hey, look, I know nobody's perfect. But the ones that are doing most of the criticism, I don't see them, you know, busting their butt and spending all their time trying to help people who can't help themselves. 
You know, if you've got a better way to do it, you know, do it instead of protest. Because, But in the meantime, if you don't have a better way and you're not doing nothing, if all you're good at is, you know, holding up a placard and criticizing groups that are doing, uh, that are doing something about it, I would suggest that your words are quite hollow. 343-743-90. That's the capital region. I don't really expect, you know, a lot of calls on that topic from outside of the capital region. But I know there's similar things like this going on, at least in Canada. Now, um, I don't know about the states. I mean, I know about a ton of organizations that are very much like the Salvation Army. That uh, And uh, American governments recognize the value and recognize how well Christian groups do in feeding the poor and taking care of the poor. And they get a lot more support. Now, there, there's another discussion you could have. There's a number of Christian organizations that do not want government support because as soon as they get government support, government starts comes in and starts dictating how, you know, these people can do their ministry. And a lot of them purposely stay away from government support so they can have be independent, they can have their freedom, and they can do things the biblical way because, boy, oh, boy, more and more the Bible's being, you know, uh, maligned as, as hate speech, if you could believe that. I know, that's hard to believe, isn't it? I got another good tune to play for you. Okay, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to dedicate this tune. Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, I think it is. Yeah, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. These guys are old, like really old blues artists from like the 1950s, 40s. And and, uh, you might be familiar with the tune that they're going to be singing. But we are dedicating this, and I trust there's people from Banyay listening. We are dedicating this. We're dedicating this tune to everybody that was you know battling it out with the salvation army and we're also bat- we're also dedicating it to the salvation army okay you ready for this oh this ought to be good so i'm gonna take a breather suck back some of the free air and you enjoy uh, uh, uh sunny terry and brian and mcgee for yeah, a couple minutes not a very long song i'm on a lake down by the riverside
Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, welcome back to Late Night Council. Ask the Pastor, 343-700-4390. Now, maybe we can put that whole Vanier versus the, you know, the Salvation Army topic to rest here. Maybe, we, you know, we've had enough of that. That's fine, but I, I, you know what? Because I, I've worked closely with the Salvation Army for 35 years. I don't like people picking on my friends. I don't. Because everybody I've known there have been terrific people, terrific people. Somebody on Twitter sent me an article about, you know, how horrible the Salvation Army was. It was one of the most hateful, bigoted things I've ever read. And it was published by some you know, some liberal rag, okay? Probably some goofy, you know, university professor. You know, he's got a couple degrees behind his name. So, you know, he, th- he thinks that gives him credibility. And if he had written those, those you know, disparaging things about Islam, they would have locked him up for hate crimes. But he can go after a Christian organization. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in Ottawa. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety one eight four four five six two four seven six six is long distance. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. You can email me at jc at latenightcouncil dot com, which Marion Alexandria has. Hi, John. Great to hear you. What's going to happen to us after Romans one? Are we going to be destroyed? Well, I mean, if if I'm interpreting, and, and i got a real fun story coming up about, you know, the end times and the second coming of Christ and the apocalypse and everything. Oh, it's really fun. We're going to have fun with this one. But if you look at the end of the book, it says that Jesus is going to return. And when he comes, he's not coming as like, you know, kind of hippie guy dressed in sandals, wandering around Galilee, you know, staring off into the sky and saying wonderful things and doing nice things for people. That's not the way he's going to return. The Bible says in very many places that he's coming back to judge and he's going to judge sin. And he's going to... <laughs> he's going to destroy the earth. And if you go back to what the rainbow was all about, we talked about it last week. The rainbow was a promise of God to man that he would never destroy the earth by a flood again. But it's very clear that next time he does it, he's going to do it with fire. And he's going to recreate it. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And it's his intention that we live and reign with him forever. But there's going to be a grand separation between that, before that. 
in Romans 1, if you go to Romans 2, and Mary, I mean, how come you haven't read it yet? Read the book, okay? Read Romans 1, and then read Romans 2. And it says that God is very slow because he's wanting all to repent. And he's wanting to give people time to you see the error of their ways and, and accept the, you know, the free gift of salvation that he has for us. And a lot of people have difficulty, you know, sit, what do you mean God's love is going to destroy everything? Well, that's how much he hates sin. And the church, to a great degree, followers of Christ have done such a bad job at communicating the, the fun, abundant, great life that Christ gives us. You know that one of the scriptures describes it as making rich and adding no, no sorrow. We've done such a lousy job at communicating that that most followers of Christ are known by their you know their uptight lifestyles and their judgmentalism and their criticizing of people all the time, and we've really blown it in that territory. We really have. Part of my job as somebody who communicates the life of Christ and how wonderful it is to know him, you know, to people that are not churchified and they're not religious or they've been burned by religion, my greatest task is undoing the damage, you know, that and the presuppositions that people have about, about what it is to follow Christ. Most of my time is given over to undoing the damage that unscrupulous Christians have done, how they've been phony, how they've been hypocritical, how they've been judgmental. Now, the Bible does tell you how to live. But it gives you the strength to do it. And there's no way I would expect anybody that, you know, I got, you know, to live the lifestyle that Christ calls us to live without, you know, having his power living within them. That's horrible to do that. I can't expect people that don't know Christ to be faithful. We're, you know, we're infected with a virus. We are prone to sin. Given the chance, if we can get away with it, we are always going to put ourselves first, always. And until Christ comes in and changes that nature in us, that's the way it's going to be. And according to the end of the Bible, it's not always going to be that way. There will not always be temptation to sin. There will not always be deception. You look at every addict, everybody that's been, you know, look at all the suicides. Take a guy like Robin Williams, okay? Or the guy, the, the, the lead singer from uh, Lincoln Park that just, he hung himself last That guy's got six kids, okay? Had a wife that adored him. He had six kids. And the guy goes and hangs himself. How do you explain that? How do you explain Kurt Cobain taking a shotgun and blowing his head off? You know, he had a wife. He had a baby. These people are multimillionaires, Okay. I mean, if we're to believe everything that culture shoves, uh, shoves at us and sells and, and convinces us to buy, all we need is more money and more technology and our problems go away. Well, if that's true, how come these filthy, stinking, rich people do themselves in? I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't answer. They're longing for significance and purpose. Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Why is it that you could go to Africa and you can go to third world countries where they have no, I mean, they don't even own shoes. And the only clothes they have are the ones that are wearing. And yet you'll meet some of the most happy, joy-filled people in the world. It's not because they're poor. It's because in those third-world countries, and I had the experience of, of, of knowing a lot of people, a lot of missionaries, Christ comes into these people's lives, and even though they're poor, they're the happiest people you ever want to find. But they're experiencing something that's real, true, biblical Christianity and not this churchified North American version of it where we kind of fit Jesus in with all of our gods, you know? Our gods of money and pleasure and power and sex and everything else, you know? 
Here, God, you fit in here. Yeah, you'll do really good. I'll keep you in my back pocket. You'll be, I'll, I'll be referring to you as the man upstairs, you know, or the good Lord. Says in Isaiah that, you know, he's, uh, his ways are not our ways. And uh, I quoted a psalm this morning in one of my messages where, where, where God says, and he's pretty specific, he says, you thought I was like exactly like you. I'm not. You got away, you know, you thought you could get away with your sin because you think I'm like you. I'm not like you. He's a righteous, holy God who hates sin. In fact, he hates sin so much that he'd rather die a horrible, torturous death to pay his price for sin than to compromise it. And he's a holy, righteous God, but my goodness, that's quite that's quite a demonstration of love when you're willing to go through a holy, uh, you know, horrible, torturous death so you can be in relationship with people that don't even know you. That's what Romans 5, 8 says. While we were yet sinners, when we were at our worst, he loved us enough to die for us. So what happens at the end of Romans 1? You got me into a bit of a, you got me, you pushed my buttons there, Mary. He's going to judge the world, and this entire life that we have is a job interview. We go through testing. When you follow Christ, yeah, it's abundant life. It's wonderful, but not everything goes perfect. Like Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Well, how do I do that? i got to know that he's in charge, and, and he's, he's a th- the authority, and, I, and I've got to trust in him because my life is a big testing ground for what he's going to have me doing for all of eternity. It says his will for his followers is to live and reign with him for all of eternity, forever and ever. I'm going to have a job. I'm going to be part of his government. I'm going to be an eternal government employee. Oh, you people in Ottawa that are listening, you can relate to that, can't you? But without the stupid little games that go on where people protecting their little kingdoms, without the corruption, you know, without the dishonesty, and I can't describe it, but the Bible's pretty explicit on that, on what this life is all about. And I want to get in on that. And Jesus also talked about hell as well. In fact, he gave every indication that most people are not going to go to heaven. They're going to go to hell. Wow, that's, boy, that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I'm a believer. Imagine what it's like for people that, you know, can't accept that. And I wouldn't take it seriously if the guy who said it hadn't died and rose from the dead. And then he didn't die again. You know, if he hadn't pulled that trick, I probably would have backed off and said, okay, just another religious zealot here. You know, a little bit of a nut bar, cult leader, whatever. And, you know, you got the right communication skills. If you can do the right kind of magic tricks, yeah, you're going to get a following. No, 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 no. I'm way more than that. The words of Christ, if you look at what he says, are disturbing. Really disturbing. And the way the church has churchified him and candy-coated him, and in North America, you know, most of Christianity is nothing but Christianized Oprah Winfreyism. You look at the life of Christ, the things he said, the priorities he had, it will disturb you. In fact, that's why the symbol, one of the, 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 the most prominent symbol of Christianity is a cross. Because not only is it a symbol of him shedding his blood and dying for us, he crosses us. You cannot put him into a box. You can't, you can't pick a denomination and say, well, okay, they represent Christ the best. I mean, listen, there are feeble attempts for us to, you know, to follow this, this God incarnate. 
And he crosses people. You cannot package him. You cannot religiousize him. And when he talks about what, you know, the end times are, when he talks about what the end of the world is going to be, you know, in spite of the fact that so many people have taken his words and done real stupid speculative things with him that cause people that, you know, even, you know, follow Christ to roll your eyes, that's not going to stop him from coming. Read Matthew 24. Read Matthew 25 when he talks about the conditions on the earth before his return. And then we come to Revelation. And I told you I had a story about the apocalypse and everything. This is just fun. This is, this is, uh, I saw this and I thought, oh, I got to bring this to the show. We're going to have fun with this. There's a guy that's uh, uh, one of the um, op-ed uh, uh, editors to uh, Christian Post, uh, the news service that I frequent often. A lot of good stuff on there. A lot of garbage stuff on there, too. But I don't bring the stuff I don't like to the program. It's, it's, it, it tends to be very conservative and political, and I, and I don't like going down that road at all. But when they're talking about universal stuff, when they're talking about, you know, the, the Bible and applying it to life, whether, and, and when they're talking about, uh, I, you know, issues that, that threaten our freedoms, and particularly our freedom to worship, I, I, I pay attention. But this one is kind of out there, okay? This is for all you Alex Jones fans out there. This is for all you, I don't know, all you John Hagee fans out there, okay? All you Hal Lindsey fans, all you, anybody that's read... Uh, uh, the Left Behind series or seen the movies and actually liked them. This is for you, okay? Here's the headline. Are micro trips in your hand the mark of the beast? Oh, your adrenaline just got pumping when I said that, didn't it? Okay. All you people are, all you people are part of this Bible prophecy cult there, boy. Oh, you just love this stuff. You can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me more. Give me more. Yeah, I'm mainlining, man. Right into my jugular. <laughs> Here's a little bit of it. And I, somebody at my church this morning, hey, John, have you heard about this? I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. I think they thought I was from another planet when I said that. Here's a bit of the article. Well, I, I probably should give you some background of what this story's about for, you know, because I know there's all kinds of people that tune in that, you know, are not church people. Okay, so this is for you to lead it off here. The book of Revelation says this about the beast of the earth, a major helper to the beast who is the Antichrist to come. And he's quoting Revelation 13, verses 16 to 17 here. It also, this beast, also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, uh, that's where the, the next verse talks about the number 666. Now, older manuscripts, and there's... Pretty solid evidence now that the number of his name, the number of the beast, is not 666. It's actually 616. Maybe not a lot of people have heard that side of it, okay? But I continue here with the article here. This is kind of fun. For the first time in American history, a company out of Wisconsin is voluntarily letting their employees have a microchip the size of a grain of rice implanted in their hands in the skin between the thumb and the forefinger which will act as a credit card. Man, there's no way they do that to me. You're not sticking a needle in my hand and putting some in there. There's no way. Forget the biblical side of it, man. I, that's painful. I see a needle on TV, man. I run. I tell I look to Heather and I say, okay, tell me when I can look. She said, yeah, it's over. You can look now, okay? That is not going to happen, okay? But I digress, which is what I often do, okay? Back to the story here. 
It's going to act as a credit card. So now, instead of paying for their break room snacks from a vending machine with a credit card or with their smartphone, the 50 or so employees who have agreed to have this microchip implanted can pay by just putting their hand up to the scanner. This report comes from KSTP.com, which is a local ABC affiliate in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Okay? The company involved, Three Square Market, is run by Todd Westby, who said it's the next thing that's inevitably going to happen. And we want to be part of it. When John wrote the book of Revelation 2,000 years ago, he would have no idea of the kinds of developments through the centuries, including this one, that many think points to a means by which his prophecies could be fulfilled. Oh, it's a mark of the beast, mark of the beast. Now, I have often quoted, you know, uh, uh, not as much as Romans 1, because Romans 1 is kind of like the theme of this show, and, and I, that's not out of me deciding it to. It's just there's been there's so many news stories where Romans 1 is re- relevant. But every once in a while, this topic of Bible prophecy comes up on Late Night Council. And I have I have often sent you to what I believe to be the most ignored scripture about Christ's second coming in the Bible. I have never heard Salem Kerbin, Dwight Pentecost, Hal Lindsey, Tim LaHaye, co-author of a Left Behind series, John Hagee, who is you know the guy who's carrying the torch for the whole Bible prophecy thing now. None of them preach on this scripture. None of them. And I'm convinced that if they did, they would probably see the revenue for their books. And we're talking a multi billion dollar industry they would probably see a lot of their revenue for their books tapes dvds and downloads you know take a huge hit and it also happens to be my favorite bible prophecy scripture i just love this because it's coming from the words of jesus and it's just before he ascends up to heaven okay the last words with the disciples last words are usually pretty profound you know if you are in a position where you can you can determine what your last words will be. You want to make sure they, you know, cut to the quick. You want to make sure they land on fertile ground. You want to make sure they stick with people. And this is the son of God here. So I would I would assume that, you know, these last words he's going to say to his disciples before, you know, he ascends. These are well thought out. And here's the scenario. Okay? They're on the Mount of Olives. He is seconds before, you know, taking the invisible elevator up here. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Oh, yeah. We want that, man. Yeah, come on. We want political power. Come on, yeah. We want to say we're number one. Come on, drive those Italians out. Let them all know that we're the best. And then verse 7, he said to them. In other words, they want to know, when are you returning? When are you going to do your thing? When are you going to come back and judge like you've told us you're going to? And then he says to them, here comes the most ignored scripture on Bible prophecy in the Bible. It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Did you hear that? It's not for you to know. And if it was me telling them, I would have put this spin on. Good thing I'm not Jesus. Good thing I'm not the Son of God. Because I don't think you would have wanted to accept accepted me as your Savior. But I would have added on. It's not for you to know. Nah, 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 nah. 
But what he does say, here's the, and, and this verse, boy, this next verse I'm going to give you is the linchpin, you know, foundational verse for uh, uh, the Assemblies of God, the states, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada that I used to be affiliated with and I still love and adore. I, and I have no enemies in that uh, fellowship. Church of the Foursquare Gospel, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. Here's here's their, you know, some, and these are all vibrant, alive churches. You go into any of their churches, most of them are pretty good, okay? It is not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Then he says this, but you, in other words, don't even think about that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the other to the furthest parts of the earth. In other words, don't even think about when I'm coming back. You get busy doing what I've called you to do. So what about this whole Mark of the Beast thing? What about, you know, come on. You know? And it begs a question, and, and the author of the article, Jerry Newcomb, he's pretty good, I'll tell you. Some of my PAOC and, you know, Pentecostal and pre-mill friends are going to be a little upset with what he said here, but I, I'm going to quote him in just a couple minutes here. He deals with the question, should the book of Revelation be interpreted literally? Because that's where all the speculation on the mark of the beast is, okay? And this is what he says, okay? Revelation is not pointing to some inadvertently adopted technology, but is speaking symbolically of those who cast their lot with the opponents of Christ for societal approval. Do you think he's right? Do you think he's right? Do you think we should be interpreting? And I, and I know I'm, I'm kind of narrowing my audience down now. I'm, I'm talking to people that, you know, kind of know what the Bible says about end-time prophecy. And there's almost a subculture within Christianity that, you know, believes that you should interpret Revelation uh, 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 literally, and there's going to be a real physical antichrist, and there's going to be seven years of tribulation, and there's going to be a reformed Roman Empire, and then the mark of the beast is going to be a world economic system. And listen, I know that whole genre inside out, backwards and forwards, Okay. But the more I read the Bible and the more I read learned scholars who are far godlier men than the people that are promoting this, it makes me step back and say, you know what? Maybe we should interpret the book of Revelation symbolically. Now, I'm not, I'm not coming against the, 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 what is called the doctrine of imminence. I think Jesus is going to come. I, in fact, I expect him to come before I finish the program. And if I had my choice, I would have him come. Because the Bible says he's coming for those who long for his returning. And every time I look at the news and every time I, I get evidence that I am living in a, like our brains have disengaged as a culture. The people we are electing as leaders, the values that we are giving into, the lies that we are buying into, the way we are, the way we are allowing our children to be indoctrinated and programmed into what I believe to be, in many cases, blatant evil. I think the only one righteous and powerful enough to straighten out this mess is, is, is Christ himself. So I long for the returning of Christ. That's, that's a given, okay? And I think he could come at any time, and the sooner the better as far as I'm concerned. Okay? A little more of, uh, of, of Newcomb's uh, letter here, his article here. The book of Revelation, is the book of Revelation being fulfilled in our time? Revelation is one of the most misunderstood books of the Scripture. John Calvin wrote commentaries on every book of the Bible, but he intentionally declined to write one on Revelation. He reportedly declared, the study of Revelation either finds a man mad or leaves him that way. 
G.K. Chesterton, mine was uh, G.K. Chesterton, one of the greatest thinkers of the early, early 20th century. One of the greatest Christian thinkers of the early 20th century. He wrote, though St. John the Evangelist, that's the author of Revelation, though St. John the Evangelist saw many strange monsters in his vision, he saw no creature so wild as one of his own commentators. And I've seen that bunch, too. Listen, I've been a part of, I've even taught at prophecy conferences, and my goodness, I, a lot of wild-eyed people there. And if you don't believe the way they believe on their interpretation specifically of the book of Revelation and how all this thing is going to end, oh, man, you may as well be, you're, you're going to hell, you know? I believe he's coming. Okay? But here's a theory I don't talk about much, but I don't mind sharing it with you. Think about it now, Okay? When the Son of God came the first time, the religious leaders, the religious leaders that had more influence than anybody in the culture of Israel at the time, they had it all figured out. They had interpreted the Old Testament in a way that they were expecting the Messiah to come a certain way. And when the re- But there was all sorts of scriptures in the Old Testament that they ignored. Like the scriptures in Isaiah that talks about, you know, him suffering and, and you know, and uh, 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 pierced and carrying our sorrows and by his stripes we are healed, you know, but a virgin will conceive, you know, in, 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 in Isaiah 9 and 6. They ignored all those scriptures because it didn't paint their idyllic version of the Messiah, somebody that was going to, you know, drive all their enemies out and rule Israel, you know, and be set up his wonderful kingdom on earth, and it was going to be Davidic again, you know? They didn't like the fact that he was going to suffer and die and bore our sorrows. They ignored whole portions in the Old Testament because it didn't fit their cute little theological agenda. So when the real Son of God showed up, fulfilling over 350 prophecies in the Old Testament, of who the Messiah should be. Well, they rejected him right away. They didn't even recognize him as the Son of God. So, and you know, history repeats itself because of human nature. I wonder, I wonder. You know, the most popular and influential religious people of the day, they have a certain belief in a system of how they think Jesus is going to return. I wonder, I wonder whether Jesus is going to return in a way that they wouldn't even recognize because they have ignored... Well, I, I just gave you one of the scriptures they ignore. Acts 1-7. It's not for you to know. Now get on with the business of being filled with my power so you can be my witnesses to that power. I wonder. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. That's the long distance line. That's one 844 562-4766. Going to have a word from our sponsor. And then, I don't know. I think I got a bit of a song that's kind of a, a call out to God from an unlikely source. You'll, you'll kind of figure it out. You're smart. You got to be smart. Because if you weren't smart, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't be tuned into Late Night Council right now. You know what I love about broadcasting online? I'm not tied to, got to do news at the top of the hour, got to do news at the bottom of the hour, got to do, you got the quarters, got to do the commercials and everything. You know, if this if this show ever grows to the point where it's, you know, on a real radio station again, and, and you know, I may have to conform to that, but boy, I'm enjoying this now. Where we can just talk and, you know, I can 
I can keep you abreast of the wonderful people that keep the show on the air. And uh, I can play a tune on occasion as well. 343-700-4390 in Ottawa. 343-700-4390. is the long distance line. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's the email address. And you can tweet at me at JWCouncil. We're back in uh, you, 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 three to four minutes about, about that, okay? Got to get a drink of water. Got to catch my breath. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Troubles. 
You know, I forgot how much I love that song. 343-700-4390 is the uh, Capital Region line. 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. Use that number if you're calling from Earl Gray, Saskatchewan, Bombay, Minnesota, Whiskey Spring, Nevada, or Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. 1-844-562-4766. 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. jc at latenightcouncil.com. Or you can tweet at me at jwcouncil. I'm going on vacation at midnight tonight. And for the next three Sundays, we are going to have best of shows, okay? Three repeats. Repeats kind of a downer. It kind of says, oh, he's doing reruns. No, I, you know, let me put the positive spin on it, okay? I'm going to put out the best shows I've done, the, be- the three best shows I've done since we, you know, fired this baby up again in February, okay? And that'll be good, I promise you, okay? And you could download all the shows on uh, latenightcouncil.com, and TuneIn Radio's got them as well, and you can listen to them at your heart's content. I want to talk about suicide. Oh, that's a real positive topic. Well, this is a little bit different. You ever heard the term continental suicide? I had neither until I checked out, uh, well, uh, uh, Eric uh, Metaxas is uh, talking about a a new book that's getting a lot of uh, attention over in Europe. And uh, here's the headline of, you know, what he's written about, Okay. Continental suicide, the strange death of Europe, and European Christianity. Wow, that kind of sounds foreboding, doesn't it? It's good stuff, though, here. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of it here. Hey, if it gets on this show, it's good stuff. What happens when a civilization forgets or rejects its roots? We're seeing it right now. Europe is is committing suicide, or at least its leaders have decided to commit suicide. Those are the opening words of Douglas Murray's controversial controversial bestseller, The Strange Death of Europe, Immigration, Identity, Islam. What Murray means when he says that Europe is committing suicide is that the civilization we know as Europe is in the process of committing suicide. It's a fate that neither his native Britain nor any Western European country can avoid because they all appear to suffer from the same symptoms and maladies. Now, what are those symptoms and maladies? As Murray tells his readers... Even the mass movement of millions of people into Europe would not sound such a final note for the continent were it not for the fact that coincidentally or otherwise, at the same time, Europe has lost faith in its beliefs, its traditions, even its legitimacy. In other words, it is mass Islamic immigration plus Europe's spiritual exhaustion that threatened to put an end to European civilization. And at the heart of the loss of faith, Murray cites, is Europe's turning its back on Christianity. Yeah. Wow. Now, why is this? Well, there's a lot of people that are writing like this. But Douglas Murray, now listen to this, okay? You need to hear this. This is why I brought to the program. This is like the punchline of the whole article here. This guy's a, a like a high-profile atheist. He is not a Christian, okay? But he seems like a pretty brilliant and pretty honest 
objective historian. In one chapter, he writes about a sense shared by many European intellectuals, including himself, that life in modern liberal democracies is to some extent thin or shallow. And that life in modern Western Europe is particular, in particular has lost its sense of purpose. Hey, doesn't that dovetail in with, you know, uh, my commentary on the suicides of uh, the lead singer from uh, Lincoln Park, Kurt Cobain, Robin Williams? Choose your multimillionaire, wealthy, powerful, you know, person that's supposed to have it together. And they do themselves in. And yet he's talking about an entire continent committing cultural suicide here. A little more. The religion Murray refers to, of course, Christianity, which he calls the source of European ideas about rights, laws, and institutions that protect them. He tells his secularized readers that there's no reason why the inheritor of a Judeo-Christian civilization and Enlightenment Europe should spend much, if any, of their time warring with those who still hold the faith from which so many of those beliefs and rights spring. He also derides the varieties of European Christianity that have lost the confidence to proselytize or even believe in their own message. This lack of confidence in Murray's estimation is why some young, young Europeans turn to Islam, which doesn't suffer from the sense of that story has run out. Hey, you may not like Islam, but it's a robust culture. They know what they believe. They're passionate. What makes Murray's account especially interesting is that, is that he is a self-described atheist. His reasons for disbelief aren't particularly persuasive, but that doesn't negate his much-needed reminder of Europe's debt to Christianity and how its rejection of its Christian past threatens its future. The same, of course, could be said about America. I would agree. I would agree. And speaking of continental suicide, which, oh, that's a new term we've come up with tonight. Well, I didn't come up with it. I didn't bring it to the program. Speaking of continental suicide, I think this is a related story. You know, you can be the judgment and call in and agree or disagree. Here's the headline. Sharp rise in Scottish children concerned about their gender. Oh, really? Sharp rise in Scottish children concerned about their gender. 500% increase in the last four years. You think the two are related? I think they are. The number of gender-confused children in Scotland that have been sent to specialists has risen by almost 500% in four years. In 2013, only 34 children were sent to specialist support, according to the Times of Scotland. That's a newspaper. But that number has been multiplying almost every year since and was on a course to exceed 200 last year. It has become an industry. People are making a career out of encouraging children to question gender at an age when they need to be left to be children. When teachers raise these issues, children can become confused or unhappy or traumatized by it, said Chris McGovern, who's a former advisor to the Department of Education, in an article for The Telegraph a couple weeks ago. In a sense, we are imposing adult concerns on children. Schools feel under huge pressure pressures to comply with a politically correct agenda, McGovern added. Dr. Joanna Williams, a university lecturer and author of the book Women vs. Feminism, 
further argued that over-promoting transgender issues is leading to such confusion. Research suggests that just 1% of the population experience gender issues. Although the number of transgender children is small, it is growing rapidly, Williams said in June, warning that children are being forced to unlearn the difference between boys and girls. That's going on in our schools. Scotland is not, I mean, I w- in fact, I would suggest that we're we even further down the road than Scotland is. Children, encouraged by their experiences at school, are, being, are beginning to question their gender identity at even younger ages, she added, pointing out that some schools are now encouraging even the youngest children to question whether they are really a boy or a girl. So how do you handle this with your kids, with your grandkids? Because they're going through that in Ontario here. Ontario, the Ministry of Education in Ontario, likes to think of itself as a global leader in the spread of this doctrine. Remember that our Minister of Education was Kathleen Wynne, and you know where her priorities are and what her values are concerning this. And the guy that was dictating policy and had more influence than any other of her underlings is serving a prison term for child pornography right now. And the media has swept that under the rug because they're walking lockstep in with the, you know, the, the politically corrected agenda that, you know, uh, uh, that Kathleen Wynne and Justin Trudeau are promoting. Just a side note, okay? This is where our culture's at. Ipsos Reid poll came out this week. Justin Trudeau is more popular than ever in Canada. And that's after he just gave ten and a half million bucks. He be he turned a, a, a unrepentant murdering terrorist into a multimillionaire. And you know the kerfuffle that's been on Canadian media in the last three weeks over that. He is more popular than ever. That's where our culture's at right now. Welcome to the Romans One show. Let's ask the pastors, late night council. You got a comment on this? I'm going to comment all the way to 11, boy. And I'm not going to be commenting live for another three weeks. So I figured, you know, next 45 minutes got to be my best, okay? 343-700-4390 in the capital region. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. feel the urge to play a tune i do it's coming i can i can feel it coming should we play it yeah i think we should i don't think i've ever played pearl jam certainly not on an ask the pastor night certainly not on a no i don't think i've ever played a pearl jam tune but about three or four years ago they came up with a tune that is so appropriate to what we're talking about here it's called worldwide suicide now, I'm a bit of a Pearl Jam fan. I like them, okay? Some of you people, you ain't going to get ticked off because it's not your style of music. But if you can get the lyrics here, okay? Pretty poignant stuff. Pretty appropriate to what we're talking about right now. I'm going to catch my breath, and here's Pearl Jam.
Oh, Pearl Gem's a little bit too wild for you. Eh? Yeah, lost a few listers there. Worldwide suicide. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety is the capital region number. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's for all those far away and exotic places that we know you're tuning in because I'm looking at a map right now uh, where everybody's listing from, and it's kind of cool. You're all over the place. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region one eight four four five six two four seven six six. And, uh, yeah, speaking of worldwide suicide, here's another indication of it here. Um, of how we're just kind of like flushing the whole civilization down the down the toity. I love Twitter. You know, I do. I have a lot of fun with Twitter. Sometimes i got to take a Twitter break because people are nasty on Twitter. Whoa, they're nasty. But there's a lot of good, too, okay? A lot of fun stuff. I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter. I only follow, like, about 107 and uh, there's a Christian author who has just written a book about marriage. Well, that's nice, eh? And uh, he was going to, you know, promote it on marriage. Well, here's the headline. Twitter bans ad promotion of one man, one woman marriage book and calls it hate. This guy paid his ads. He's wrote a book about marriage. He's not criticizing or, you know, hurting anybody. And they're accusing him. Twitter has accused him of hate. Twitter has rejected a pastor's request. The guy's a pastor. To use the social media site's advertising platform to promote a tweet highlighting his new book, Advocating for Traditional Christian Belief in Marriage. On July 2nd, 56-year-old former pastor Craig Stelflug paid for Twitter ads to promote a tweet he posted about his new book entitled One Man, One Woman, God's Original Design for Marriage. That's pretty innocuous, eh? It was published by West Bow Press in June. And I'm not giving the whole article, but the pertinent issues here. It's, 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 it's amazing. This, 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 this hateful, bigoted, anti-freedom, anti-speech, Christophobic, God-hating culture that we're in. Twitter started promoting it. They took my money, Stelfluck told the Christian Post. Then I get this email that the tweet was not approved and that it was determined to be hate. Stelfluck assured that his book is definitely not an anti-gay book and it's not about lesbian, gay, bisexual, or the transsexual movement whatsoever. It's incredible. And he's pretty ticked, okay? I, I don't know. I think he's got a right to be. He says, I suppose if I named my book One Man and Another Man Together in Marriage, it would soar past the critics and actually garner praise as some clarion call for peace and unity, Stelflick told Christian Post. My book is not hate. It highlights conservative Christian marriage values. Therefore, it is hate. Have we stooped so low in our country? This is his words here. Have we stooped so low in our country that my freedom of speech is squelched because I promote my Christian beliefs? I'll tell you where the hate is. It is flaunted against the majority by the few as a tool to promote liberal agendas. It's his words, not mine. 
And the article states, this is not the first time that Twitter has been accused of rejecting an ad campaign promoting a social conservative value. In June, it was reported that Twitter is not allowing pro-life organizations like Live Action and the Susan B. Anthony list to procure ads that warn against abortion, show unborn baby ultrasounds, and fact-check claims from the nation's largest abortion provider, Planned Parenthood. You can't criticize abortion or Twitter will shut you down. And they're not the only ones. Facebook is, oh my goodness, Mark Zuckerberg, my goodness. Sometimes I think this guy's Must be related to some, you know, totalitarian despot. It must be in his genes. I mean, I think the guy's gone power crazy. I guess when you get money and power, you start thinking you can do anything, including, you know, shutting up people you don't like. This is anti-freedom, folks. This is this is what was done in to, under totalitarian regimes around, you know, previous to World War II. When fascism and communism was, you know, uh, 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 isms that people embraced because they were so downtrodden, so they trusted their lives with demonically inspired madmen. And these power-crazy people, I'll tell you what they hate. They can't stand, the reason they hate Christianity is because people who believe in Christ believe that there's somebody smarter than the political leaders we're ruled by right now. They believe that there's somebody smarter, that the Bible is more authoritative than all the whiz-bang, crazy, politically correct, correct, so-called progressive ideas that are warping our culture. And people are buying it by the truckload. It's sold in a nice little human rights, freedom-loving, you know, kumbaya-type package. But the dark side is, anybody who disagrees, they want to stamp them out. I've actually heard of, of, of people on the politically correct side, you know, uh, talk of, you know, uh, creating safe places for people who disagree with them, you know, to just go and they can't infect the rest of society. In Germany, they called them concentration camps. And if you don't think that hate exists, oh, my goodness. I remember, uh, uh, oh, what about, it was a brilliant ad campaign. I've talked about it before, about five years ago. It was an ad campaign that was taken out in every major uh, newspaper in Canada, although I don't, I doubt whether it got into the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star. The National Post carried it, and uh, the Sun a news chain carried it. And it was, a, it was a, a handsome-looking, you know, 19 or 20-year-old student, and he's looking back over his shoulder. He's got a black eye. And the caption says, you really want to tick off your university professor? Tell him you're conservative. And our entire academic institutions, and look, I'm not advocating conservatism or liberalism here. What I'm concerned about is, is the freedom to disagree. I mean, there are people in Canada that want to make that, that want to define the Bible as hate speech, and they want to censor it and, and remove it from every, not only public uh, uh, facets of society, but private facets of society. Some of these people are, are, are MPs, Okay. And the inflammatory, hateful things these people get away with and how the media gives them a cakewalk and will not criticize them is absolutely mind-blowing. And our culture says nothing about it. Typical, oh, well, my Justin's handsome. Let's vote for him. It just makes me feel good. Anyway, I'm getting political. But, you know, if you really follow Christ, 
it's going to delve into politics because politics is simply a reflection of where our priorities are collectively. And our priorities collectively have radically been altered in the last even 10 years, 30 years. I mean, indoctrinating our kids as young as five and six years old about, you know, how many genders? I think it's up to 31 now. Total disregard for biology. Total disregard for empirically proved fact. Bruce Jenner wants to call himself Caitlyn. Fine, you know. But every cell in Caitlyn Jenner's body, every cell, thunders the truth, the biological fact. You know, get your, you know, get your genitalia removed, plaster on some makeup, put in some surgically implant, uh, implanted bumps on your butt and, uh, and on your breasts. Every cell in your body says you're a male, dude. The facts don't care about your opinions. The facts don't care about, you know, how confused and messed up you are as far as, you know, who you are. You want to know who you are? Your body's got a pretty strict and, and, and defined definition of it. You're either male or female. Oh, that sounds so, you know, I'm going to get accused of hate now. Well, let me put the spin on it, okay? You do have people that are confused, and they're selling, they're being sold a bill of goods that's only leaving them more confused and more messed up. And we're not getting the help. These, these people are not getting the help that they deserve and the help that I think they should have because the help that's coming to them is based on a morality. It's based on wisdom that is totally unproven. Suicide rates amongst transgenders and amongst people that, you know, go against nature are as high as they've ever been. And they try to point the finger back on people that are oppressing them. And that's why they feel that way. Garbage. Our society is more open and more tolerant to this kind of stuff. In fact, you get criticized. You get fired. You get maligned if you even breathe any dissent that, hey, hey, maybe we should talk about this. No way. It's settled, you bigot. And you get creamed. You get criticized. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Guy writes a book about traditional marriage, and they label it hate. Unbelievable. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's the long distance line. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. Richard Dawkins is back in the news. Oh, don't we love Richard Dawkins? I find him rather entertaining. (laughs) The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, I didn't say that, but somebody a lot smarter than Richard Dawkins said that, and a lot smarter than me. I want to talk about Richard Dawkins when we get back. But in the meantime... I don't know. I think I want to dedicate a tune to our political leadership in Canada. Yes, we should pray for them. Most of the time I'm praying that God would, you know, free us from the leaders that we have and give us, you know, credible, godly leaders. But the ones I've got now, I'm ordered to pray for them. 
But there's a tune, I think, that, you know, pretty well describes them. And uh, the origin of, of you know, uh, the, the, the words of this song didn't come from uh, the Bible, but, boy, you could certainly line them up with Romans 1 that we keep flogging almost every Sunday night on Late Night Council here. So I'm going to suck back some free air, and it's a familiar tune by probably the most popular band that ever recorded music. Back in a couple minutes. Day after day Alone on a hill The man with the foolish grin Is keeping perfectly still But nobody wants to know him They can see that he's just a fool And he never gives an answer But the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down And the eyes in his head See the world spinning round Well on the way Head in a cloud The man of a thousand voices Talking perfectly loud But nobody ever hears him Or the sound he appears to make And he never seems to notice But the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down And the eyes in his head See the world spinning Shows his feelings, but the fool on the hill sees the sun going down, and the eyes in his head see the world spinning Hoppin', boppin', stoppin', bingo, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Speaking of fools, um, now, before I start talking about Richard Dawkins, um, I haven't talked a lot about Ben Shapiro. Have you heard about Ben Shapiro? Google Ben Shapiro. Listen to some of the stuff this guy is saying. Okay, I think he's 33 years old. He's a lawyer. And in my opinion... He is the most brilliant political commentator in the world today. Okay? 
Really? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I'm not talking about matters religious. I'm talking about political commentary. This guy doesn't support anybody unless they're worthy of support, and he will go after the left, he will go after the right. I have never seen anybody that can spot a hypocrite a mile away and expose the hypocrisy like Ben Shapiro. 33 years old. This guy's young enough to be my son, okay? And Ben Shapiro, I think he was scheduled to speak in the University of Berkeley. University of Berkeley, uh, University of California, Berkeley, has become one of the most oppressive, bigoted, hate-promoting bastions of, of, of oppression that, that, that we have in the world right now. I mean, all the, and it's all in the name of progressiveness. It's all in the name of, you know, uh, human rights. Nothing of the sort, okay? They have banned people from speaking on their com- campus that, you know, that disagree with their radical left-wing ideology. And Ben Shapiro was booked to go there next month. And, uh, I mean, there's such a groundswell of support for this guy. This guy communicates in uh, terms and in the language that young people just eat up. Okay, I mean, he's 33. He's well connected to media, well connected to pop culture. He knows his stuff. And he's absolutely brilliant. And I believe that he's still speaking there, but they've been scrambling to try and get him a venue. The university has done everything to keep Ben Shapiro out of there. So it's with that in mind that I was kind of intrigued when University of California, Berkeley... They banned Richard Dawkins, who's probably the most highest profile atheist in the world right now. He's been banned from speaking at University of California, Berkeley next month. Listen to this. Remember, high profile atheist because of his criticisms of Islam. Now, that's something I don't understand. The radical left that promotes transgenderism, you know, and and, uh, polygamy and every type of, you know, sexual aberration, you know, they get freedom for everybody. You know, Trudeau said the state has no business in the bedrooms of the nation. Well, you know, the radical left under his son, Justin, feels that, you know, uh, uh, sex and every, you know, form of it needs to be out there in everywhere, not just in the bedroom, but in the kitchen and in, you know, public places. And you better stand up and applaud or you're a hateful bigot that wants to repress people's rights. Okay. And yet the radical left, even though they've got these extreme views on sexuality, they've allied themselves with Islamists in North America. I mean, like in Saudi Arabia, if you're, if you're gay, they behead you. In every Islamic-led country, being gay is against the law. It is illegal. In a lot of countries, you're going to get executed. In in some of the more not-so-hateful countries, you're in prison for the rest of your life for being gay. So the fact, I mean, I mean, the perfect example of it, of it is Justin Trudeau wearing a pair of rainbow-colored socks at the Gay Pride Parade in Toronto, and it's got Islamic writing. It's got Quran writings on the socks. How crazy is that? I mean, the, the hypocrisy is, is, is monumental. The cognitive dissonance. Oh, my goodness. 
No wonder the Bible says they proclaimed to be wise and they became fools. I mean, there's some stronger words than fools that I'd like to use, but, you know, I don't want to go extra biblical on you. So Berkeley, Berkeley, the bastion of repressive, radical, left-wing, anti-freedom thought. I expect him to ban Ben Shapiro because the guy's brilliant and he'll make them look like the fools that they are. But banning Richard Dawkins, high-profile atheist? And they banned him for his criticism of Islam. So Michael Brown, probably one of my favorite commentators, he takes them to task in an article that's on Christian Post's uh, uh, website. What about Richard Dawkins' strong criticisms of Christianity? What about his attacks on the Bible? What about his horrific description of God in the Old Testament? Did any of this bother the organizers? who were from the radio station KPFA, billed as a progressive station? According to Dawkins, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent malevolent bully. Michael Brown's quoting from Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. Richard Dawkins has said some of the most hateful things against God and Christianity that have ever been written. Well, that's no problem, because this is the loony left in all of its hypocritical airhead Brain disengaged glory. Here's the statement from KPFA, okay? Oh, yeah, we love guys that criticize God. We love guys that malign Christianity. We love guys that, you know, are slanderous towards people of the Christian faith. But here's what KP, here's what KPFA, uh, uh, KFPA, uh, is how they reacted after, you know, people said, are you crazy? Canceling Dawkins? We had booked this event based entirely on his excellent new book on science. When we didn't know, he had offended and hurt in his tweets and other comments on Islam so many people. KPFA does not endorse hurtful speech, while KPFA emphatically supports serious free speech. See what they say? We support serious free speech. We do not support abusive speech. We apologize for not having had broader knowledge of Dawkins' views much earlier now Dawkins comes back okay put it another way bash Christians you're a hero bash Muslims you're a zero bash Christians we'll cheer you bash Muslims we'll jeer you Dawkins himself noted the double standard writing I am known as a frequent critic of Christianity and have never been deplatformed for that Why do you give Islam a free pass? Why is it fine to criticize Christianity, but not Islam? This this guy is the highest profile atheist in the world. I don't agree with him, but he is a smart cookie. Berkeley isn't that far from 
most of our universities ideologically. They're not that extreme. Not much difference between Berkeley and Carleton University, University of Ottawa, University of Toronto, Queens. Not much difference at all. It's just that Berkeley gets in the news a lot more. It's higher profile. Our universities have become bastions of totalitarian, hate-filled, Christophobic bigotry. It's that bad. Just like Hitler went after the Jews and had all of Germany convinced that, you know, the most, you know, once we get rid of these Jews, we could bring on, you know, this wonderful, you know, uh, Aryan nation. The same hatred now, it's not the Jews in Western culture now, it is Bible-believing Christians. The largest funder of the LGBTQ lobby in the States, okay? This guy's a multi-billionaire, and he's publicly stated he is going to go and punish the evildoers. And his definition of evildoers is anybody who disagrees with the gay activist agenda. And the top of his list are Bible-believing Christians who are not wanting to do any harm. They're not maligning anybody. They just don't agree with the priorities that are being forced on our kids and the morality that's being forced on society. And you will capitulate, and you will not say anything wrong, or we will, we will, well, they would love to have us in prison. And I'm convinced there's many of us, that would, many of them that would love to have us executed. That same hatred is there. And if you don't think it can happen, you're not a very good student of history. Dawkins, Dawkins himself wrote in response to his Berkeley event being canceled, I have indeed strongly condemned the misogyny, homophobia, and violence of Islamism, of which Muslims, particularly Muslim women, are the prime victims. I make no apologies for denouncing those oppressive cruelties, and I will continue to do so. So Dawkins has condemned what would be called the anti-progressive aspects of Islam. Yet for this, he is deplatformed by the so-called progressive left, which once again feels the need to fend off criticism of Islam while ignoring criticism of the Bible and the Christian faith. And Michael Brown's words are, the progressive re- progressives remain true to form for being the blatant hypocrites that they are. And they are in bad need of exposing. So that's what we do on Late Night Council. And the scripture and verse is Ephesians 5.10. It says, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This kind of stuff needs to be exposed. And it's not being exposed. In national media across Western culture, it's being hushed up. It doesn't matter whether it's so-called conservative media, like what Fox News likes to think it's conservative. The Sun uh, news chain across Canada likes to think it's conservative. They're not touching this. Because there's bucks to be made. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety is the capital region number. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. I want you to hear from our sponsor. We're going to go to a commercial break. We're going into the ninth inning now, okay? The flame-throwing closer has come out of the bullpen because we're ahead by three runs, and I want to make sure that the save is secured. So I'll be back 
I'm not playing a tune now. I'm just playing an ad. Give me about to a minute and a half, okay? Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the Greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Told you it wasn't going to be that long. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. You're running out of time. You know, you got one segment left now, and the, the the night is quickly coming to an end. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. As I've mentioned twice before tonight, and I'll mention again because we know we have listeners coming and going all the time. Uh, I'm going on vacation uh, tonight at midnight, and uh, we're going to have, I'll be off for three weeks, and we will be playing best of shows, okay? Going to take the three best shows, or I think there's going to be compilations, you know, the three uh, three nights of uh, the best of late night council. And uh, Nick Vandergrack, who also does his show in this studio here, Apparently, he's figured out a way to tap into Facebook so he can have people calling in from Facebook, which is kind of cool. And apparently, it's an easy thing to do. And uh, uh, when we come back, I think the first week I'm back is August the 27th, okay? When I'm back on August the 27th, uh, we'll probably have that up and running. And uh, I don't know how that works yet, but apparently, it's very simple. And uh, we will add it to the foray of delightful experiences that are the new and improved version of Late Night Council. one 562 I'm going to the emails one more time. I'm not seeing anything that I can put on the air yet. Oh, maybe. Oh, look at that. Oh, there's Maureen, my buddy in Toronto. She's got an email. And you know what, Maureen? It's under six lines. I'm not even going to determine whether it's airworthy. I'm going to read it anyway. Here it comes. Transgender. It shouldn't even be a word. There are only two genders, male and female. A designer dress and a pair of heels does not a woman make. 
Rolling Stoner J- Justin Trudeau and the new coal miner's daughter endorse delusions and sells them hardcore. They have an agenda so far beyond bizarre is there a biblical spe- perspective to sheer lunacy. Um, Marine, I've been given that biblical perspective on those two leaders you mentioned probably every night since February. It's Romans 1, 18 to 32. Romans 1, 18 to 32. But the bigger problem is not those leaders, okay? Because there will never be a shortage of Looney Tune, corrupt, don't know their head from their elbow leaders. There will never be a shortage of those type of leaders. The bigger concern is the people that vote for them. We live in a culture that endorses that kind of corruption, that type of, uh, uh, I don't know what else to call it, but immorality, okay? Our culture has lost their, 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 their moral compass. They're lost. And the fact that these are the people that they elect is, it scares the, 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 the wee-wee out of me. It really does. Got one more story to throw at you before the end of the evening here. And this doesn't surprise me at all. Probably won't surprise you either. But Satanic Temple founder says that over half of his members could be LGBTQ. Why am I not surprised? The co-founder of the Satanic Temple said that he would not be surprised if over half of his group's members identify as LGBTQ because of its radically inclusive space. Radically inclusive. You like the use of words there? How Orwellian. Oh, yeah, we just accept everybody. We're radically inclusive. Because inclusive is a good thing, right? This is the founder of the Satanic Temple. Vice Magazine, okay? We don't have strict separations or definitions of our gay membership, our trans membership, or anybody else, Lucian Greaves said in an article for Vice published on Monday. Still, Greaves offered that he wouldn't be surprised if more than half identify as such. Vice described the Satanic Temple as a platform for LGBTQ members to celebrate their identities and suggested that they are drawn by the radically inclusive space for people who identify in all sorts of ways. Doesn't that sound benign? I mean, the Church of Satan, the Satanic Temple, is legitimate. And I'm sure that University of Berkeley... The University of California, Berkeley, would go to the nth degree to defend their freedom of speech and their freedom of expression. But you try to go on any university campus and quote the Bible or espouse an ideology that isn't the accepted ideology on universities, you are going to be shut down. They will use every authoritative venue to make sure that you are hurt, to make sure that you cannot espouse your beliefs anymore. That's what our culture has turned into. You know, while our churches, while our churches across, you know, North America get bigger and bigger, and while the music is all Top-grade professional. I mean, you go to a church nowadays, you know, some of these churches that are considered healthy and growing, and, you know, they've got music there that rivals anything that you're going to see at Blues Fest. 
And the sermons, oh, my goodness, they're not just sermons. They're productions. They've got lights. They've got, you know, projectors. They've got special effects. And everybody's so eloquent and everybody's so comfortable. And and all the churches are filled with good-looking, prosperous people that God is prospering. In the meantime, the culture's going to hell in a handbasket. Espousing beliefs and adhering to ideologies that the Bible labeled as downright depraved and demonic. God's attitude hasn't changed. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the coming of Christ and how when he comes, he's coming to judge. And when the children of Israel were under oppression in Egypt... It says that the level of wickedness in Canaan, which was the promised land, the level of wickedness had not reached the state yet where it deserved God's judgment. So the children of Israel multiplied like rabbits under Egyptian oppression, and they were there for 400 years until there was about 1.5 to 2 million of them. And they got out of Egypt and they were used as a tool of judgment for God to pronounce judgment on the absolute perversion and wickedness that was rampant throughout Palestine, the land of Canaan at the time. Because that country, that strip of land there that is now modern day Israel, it hadn't reached the level of wickedness that it deserved judgment yet, but it did finally reach that level and God said enough is enough and he brought Israel in And he pronounced judgment. He wiped out that. It was his will to wipe out the whole society, the whole civilization there. The modern term would be genocide. Sounds pretty cruel, doesn't it? But when you understand the wickedness that was being practiced there, God said enough is enough. I wonder, I wonder, because we know that when Christ returns, he's going to come as judge. I wonder whether it's going to get a lot worse and a lot more wicked. Because Jesus said, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And it describes the times of Noah in Genesis by saying, and the earth was filled with corruption and violence. Every perversion known, you know, that you can't even imagine. In fact, the perversion was so great that demonic entities were actually taking on physical form and engaging in sexual relations with people. And we've got that kind of stuff advocated, and we think it's, you know, freedom of expression. I wonder if that's the way it's, that's the way it's going. And what was the cure? Well, God said what the cure was in Second Chronicles 7.14, but his followers don't seem to be paying much attention to it. He talks to his followers. He doesn't talk to the wickedness. He talks to his followers in Second Chronicles 7.14, and he singles them out. He says, if my people, my people, who are called by my name, They were called Christians, followers of Christ. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then I will hear them. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There doesn't seem to be a lot of repentance for, you know, our sin. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about followers of Christ. We like to push the whole success thing. We like to make out like hey, everything's hunky-dory, just wonderful. Well, I hope you got you th- I got you thinking a little bit tonight.
I'll be live August the 27th. I'll still be live on Twitter and Facebook, and I'll be checking in every once in a while and having some fun with you if you want to check that out. Go to ChristChurchOttawa.com as well, because all my my latest sermons are up there, and, and uh, you know, that's that's the real John Council. The John Council that did radio for 17 years, you know, that that's a past incantation of this guy. And uh, what I, and the, you know, I have fallen in love with pastoring all over again. And it's it's with the church that we're leading right now is the most radical. It, it can't. Be, I've never seen anything like it in 35 years of ministry. Having such a blast, and uh, uh, hopefully we could uh, connect a little bit online. And uh, but I need a rest, so I'm going down to see my son and my daughter in L.A. and check out some wonderful ministries there. And and I'll be full of. Sp- spit and vinegar and a lot of other good stuff when uh, when I return. And like uh, the late, great uh, General Douglas MacArthur uh, said, I, I shall return. Have a delightful evening. Thank you for sharing it with me. Good night.